welcome back to another episode of Husky Talk. We are starting a new series of episodes this season called the Elam 11. The Elam 11 was a group of 11 Iditarod mushers who had to hunker down in the checkpoint of Elam last year due to poor trail conditions. Our first episode in this series, we bring you Laura Nice. Laura is a veteran of both the Iditarod and Yukon Quest and is known for her infectious smile on the trail. Hello, Laura. Welcome back to Husky Talk. Can you start off by telling... Can you start off by telling us a little about yourself, like where you're from, your education, how you got into mushing? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Laura Nice. Um, I was born and raised in central Ohio um, over in Newark. And uh, I fell in love, caught the sled dog bug um, at the age of nine when my mom um found out that you could follow the Iditarod online through the Insider. And um, I was lucky enough to be homeschooled all my um, all through my growing up years. And so it was perfect. Um, that first year we followed the Iditarod, I just completely fell in love with it and um, decided that's what I wanted to do. So long story short, I ended up, um, well, I obviously have the most amazing parents in the world and <laughs> ended up starting a kennel down in Ohio when I was 14 and I got up to 18 dogs down there and um, just really kind of jumped into the sport and um, that only um, proved to me that that's what I wanted to do, uh, just the passion these dogs have for life and for what they do is truly inspiring every day. So, um, yeah, from there, uh, when I turned 18, I moved up here to the Upper Peninsula to work at Nature's Kennel um, up here in Michigan. And we are in the snow belt. We get lake effect snow from um, both Lake Michigan and Lake Superior. And so during the winter, it pretty much snows every day. It's actually snowing right now. And uh, it's, yeah, the, the perfect place to have sled dogs and to live this lifestyle. So I came up here six years ago and uh, never left. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to race the, the A team for quite a few years and um, run two Yukon Quests, two Iditarods, and all kinds of mid-distance races all over North America. So it's been a, a great six years, and I'm looking forward to more. Okay, so you're a part of Nature's Kennel in McMillan up in the Upper Pen Peninsula of Michigan. Normally, Nature's Kennel provides a lot of tours. How has the pandemic affected life up at Nature's Kennel? Um, you know, as a whole, it hasn't changed our lives too much. Um, it hit at the pretty much at the end of the tour season. So that wasn't a big issue. And um, we live out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the woods with a bunch of dogs. So we're pretty much social distance all the time anyway. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so throughout the summer, life was pretty normal up here for us. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. This winter will be a little different, just keeping everybody safe, all the tour guests and the guys. And, um, but we'll figure it out, and I'm sure, sure it won't be too big of a problem.
Speaking of the pa- of the pandemic, as you were running the Iditarod last year, the world and country was shutting down. Were you aware of what was going on while you were on the trail? I had, I really had no idea until, hmm, I think it was when I got into Elam. That was really the point where, um, well, we were... <laughs> We were stranded there for just over two days, so it was kind of, um, there was a lot of talk going on with the volunteers and everything, so that's when I really kind of found out, wow, the, the world's not normal, I had no idea, so that was pretty, pretty weird. So we give you a brief summary about the Elam 11 group in our intro. We basically said it, 11 mushrooms had to hunker down in our Elam after cross coming across poor chill conditions. They stayed there for a couple of days. You were part of this Elam group. First of all, you guys were traveling together as a group of 11 to begin with. Yeah, that, um, <laughs> it was a very unexpected um, turn of events. And uh, it ended up being, um, it was a, the, the 11 of us, it was a really, really good group of mushers and teams to be, um, to be stuck with. And especially, we were all at the, um, you know, towards the back of the, um, of the pack. So, you know, none of us were really focused on competing or anything. We were just out there um, having fun with our dog teams. And so there was no... Um, you know, no competitive um, tension at all. We were just, we were all pretty much able to relax. And, eh, you know, we, <laughs> we'd all love to get to know them, but we will eventually, and we'll just wait it out. And, uh, yeah, so it ended up being overall a pretty fun time and definitely a... Uh, and I, it definitely made this Iditarod one that I'm sure none of us will ever forget. And um, just a very memorable, memorable time that doesn't often happen. So it was pretty cool. So talk to us about what happened after you originally left Elam before you had to turn around. So um, that little excursion we made... Um, we were planning on going all the way to White Mountain. So the during our, our time in Elam, the trail sweeps had caught up to us. And the trail sweeps are they're um, part of the Iditarod crew, and they have they're outfitted with uh, snowmobiles and then big sleds that they pull behind them. And they're um, they're <laughs> what they're supposed to be doing is sweeping the trail so they're supposed to be behind all the teams picking up the trail markers you know picking up any anything that the race has left behind and um leaving the trail how it should be so they caught up to us while we were stuck there and uh once the storm slowed down a bit we all decided um that the sweeps would have to lead us out to break the trail because the 
um, the sea ice was leaving, so we couldn't use the normal trail. We had to go on an over-route trail that nobody had used um, all year. No, Nobody had been out with the snowmobiles. Nobody had been out with dog teams and nothing. But it's been... It was an old mail trail. It's been used um, for Iditarod before in previous years. So the sweeps were going to go out ahead of us and try to break that open. But uh, the sweeps didn't really know where the trail was supposed to be, since normally they're just following the trail markers like all the dog teams. So um, they, some of the villagers in Elam... Um, we're going to head out on snowmobiles in front of them and break open the trail because they live up there, so they know where it is. So we thought it was you know, a pretty good plan. It was going to work. And uh, it ended up, uh, we got out there, and I don't know, probably a half hour in, the, we would um, catch up to all the rest, or I don't know. I think we left Elam probably fifth or sixth. So we'd catch up to the the five teams in front of us, and they'd all be stopped. So I'd stop and wait, let everybody else behind me know what we're waiting. And um, the the delay was that the trail sweeps were getting stuck because we're climbing a mountain, and so their snowmobiles were getting stuck in the in the snow because there was no packed base on the trail. So they were pulling heavy loads on their sleds and um, just wouldn't be able to get up the mountain. So they'd have to stop, dig themselves out, and then get going. And So it was taking a while. So all those mushers were just back there kind of waiting and um, walking up, you know, up and down the line of dogs seeing everybody else's teams and um so we eventually get up to a saddle of the mountain so it's a really open and you can see for quite a ways all over the place it's above tree line and um the sweeps at this point lost the trail that the trail breakers had had made and so we all stop again, and the wind is blowing. Um, it's not cold. It's actually um, above freezing. <clears throat> but the wind was really whipping, and so the the trail breakers had been up or had been over that section a little earlier, and you couldn't couldn't see their trail anymore because the wind had blown it away. So we all stopped, and Martin Boozer has his GPS out because he, he has that um, trail on his GPS from previous Iditarods. <clears throat> so we're all kind of gathered around trying to figure out where the trail's supposed to be and if we can find any kind of sign of it. And after about an hour up there, it was uh, getting to the point where it didn't make any sense anymore because um, we had so far to go still and we were running out of daylight and um, it would have been even harder in the dark to find a trail that we didn't know where it was. So at that point, 
we'll all agree that we should just turn around and head back and <laughs> kind of regroup and try again the next day. So, uh, yeah, so we did. Turned all the dog teams around and went back. It was about a, uh, I think it was four hours, and I doubt we even went 10 miles total. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was pretty crazy. But the dog, dogs were happy about it. They got to stretch their legs and get on the trail a little bit. So you guys spent two days in a checkpoint. That is extremely unusual, correct? It is very unusual. What, yep. What did you guys do for two days? <laughs> we pretty much um, fed our dogs. Um, I walked dogs a lot. Um, a couple times a day, I'd just take everybody out on leashes and get them stretched out, play with them. Um, but other than that, yeah, fed dogs, slept, ate, fed dogs, slept, and ate, <laughs> kind of on repeat. Um, and some of us walked around the village a little bit and, um, kind of saw some of the, some of the sights, but there's not too much to see. It's pretty, pretty little village, um. Yeah, so it was pretty much, you know, just waiting and uh, catching up on our, on our sleep and loving up dogs. Who made the decision that it was time to take off for the next checkpoint, and did you all travel together this time? Yes. Um, so that um, really came down to the sweeps making that decision. They they were kind of on a schedule because they needed to get to Nome and fly out. So, um, you know, they worked with us. We didn't want to, we as in all the mushers, we didn't want to go back to Elam and turn around and leave right away again after, you know, two hours um, just because that's not... Um, not really fair to the dogs mentally because they're used to going into a checkpoint and resting a little not going out on the exact same trail they just came in on. So we all decided we'd like to rest the dogs for you know, at least six hours and then head out again and you know hopefully make it through that time. So um, that's what we did. We all... Um, waited until 5 a.m. and at 5 we tried it, <laughs> tried it again so the um, the villagers in Elam went out ahead of us again and then um, the sweeps after them packing the, or <laughs> trying to pack the trail and then all of us followed kind of um in no particular order, just as we got ready, as we had our teams ready, we left. And we left with an agreement to keep the person behind us in eyesight, um, at least while it was dark, because it was, um, the wind was picking up again, and there were no trail markers out there. So we knew that if we got up on that mountain again, and the wind was as 
um, blowing as hard as we figured it would be. We had to be within sight of each other so that nobody would get lost, so that we would be able to see the um, the sled tra- tracks from the last team. So we had an agreement. We'd um, keep an eye on the team behind us, and if we couldn't see their headlamp, we'd stop and wait for them before we um, kept going. So, um, yeah, we left and um, got up just before the the saddle where we had turned around the time before. And I stopped because I couldn't. Um, Fabio was right behind me, and I couldn't um, couldn't quite see his headlamp, so I stopped right in the trees right be- right before we got to tree line. And um, I could hear the <laughs> I could hear the wind going crazy up um, up on the saddle and uh, over us. And uh, so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. So wait 15 minutes and no Fabio and I can't see anybody in front of me either. And so at this point, I I had to make the call. Do I wait? and risk um, neither of us being able to see the see any tracks and then we're um, we're everybody <laughs> not only just the two of us but everybody behind us is in trouble because we don't know where we're supposed to go or do I leave without seeing being able to see him but hopefully I can still see some tracks and then I can lay down a fresh set of tracks so it'll last a little longer for him to follow. So I finally went with that decision. And um, so I left and get up top and it it was blowing a lot harder than the night the day before. And um, I could I could just I could see some scratches of the snowmobile tracks and some of the sled tracks in um, various places. (laughs) And then it would just be totally blown over between those spots. So I really, I kind of (laughs) just said, Kay Baker and Elmer, you guys, you have your noses. You can smell where everybody's been. And um, I'll look out to see if I, whenever I see, um, any kind of tracks left, you know, I would just make sure that they were on them or headed towards them. And, uh, yeah, so we got, got over that saddle. And then I started finally seeing a headlamp now and then way up in front of us. And I was looking back this whole time trying to see if Fabio caught up. And pretty soon I could see his headlamp behind us. <clears throat> and, um, uh, then we got down into a tree section with trees again, and it was crazy because we'd get down into the tree line, and it wouldn't even feel windy. It was you could still hear the wind up over top of you, but it, there was no wind down there. So we went. Um, it was nice and easy down there. You could you could see where the trail was supposed to be just because of the trees and. Um, there was no wind blowing the trail away. Then when we got up top out of that tree line, 
it was, you couldn't see anything. And it was right at dusk and that really um, weird time of the day where your headlamp doesn't really do anything. And it's not really bright, it's not dark, and so you just can't make out any, um, any. there's no depth perception. It's just a really odd, odd time of the day, and you just can't see much because it's just blowing snow and a bunch of white. And, uh, and uh, so yeah, it was it was crazy, and um, ended up. You know, I'd, I'd see um, old snowmobile tracks to our left every now and then, and Baker and Elmer kind of kept drifting to the right because it was the, to the right was downhill, and so they were just naturally drifting to the right a little bit because I was also away from the wind. So every, whenever I'd see some scratches on our left, I'd give them a haw, and they kind of look back at me like, "Oh, okay," and then go over, go over and find it, find the trail again, and we played that game for a while, and and then finally we crested a a little hill, and I saw a bunch of teams <laughs> down in a not really a valley, but down the hill a little bit to our right. So like, oh, good, we found. We found them. I could still see Fabio's light behind us, so um, we went down to meet the other teams. <laughs> and uh, right at that moment, the <laughs> snowmobile comes at us from the other direction. And he's going, hey, guys, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> so we all turn around and start following him. And... So he's on a snowmobile. He has his, his, you can see his taillight. And so we're following his taillight, but it was blowing so hard that, I mean, he was still well, well within eyesight of us, and you could not see the tracks from his snowmobile. And so, yeah, the wind's just whipping, and we're, um, there were, Three, three or four teams, four, that were following him right there. And I was in the back, and um, you just, it was, it was wild. And so we got where we were supposed to go, following his taillight. And every, so the rest of the teams are up there, <coughs> um, full exposure of the wind, and everybody's just kind of hunkered down, waiting for all the rest of the teams to catch up. And uh, so that snowmobiler who had come out to get us, he turned around and went to catch, to get the other teams before they headed down to who knows where, like we were. And yeah, pretty soon everybody else, well, it was 45 minutes after I got there <laughs> that the um, rest of the teams caught up to us. So many of the and um, yeah. So after that, we all took off again. At that point, it was getting to true daylight, and so it was easier to see stuff. And shortly after that, we got onto the actual trail. So there were trail markers. We could see where we were supposed to go, and we all kind of just 
did our own thing at that point. So many of the ELM 11 finished together or in pairs. You finished within minutes of Monica Zappa. Did you and others decide to, to just stick together to finish the race? We did not. Um, yeah, once, once we got back on the March Trail, we kind of... Um, yeah, we kind of just did our own thing. Um, stayed, whatever, whatever speed we wanted to, snacked whenever we wanted to, enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed the beautiful day. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I kind of just did whatever. And, uh, yeah, that last run into Nome after we left White Mountain. Um, I saw, I saw Damon for a while. He was behind us a little bit. That was pretty, that was the only team I saw until I could see Monica's headlamp close to the finish. And uh, that was a really fun run. The, The finishers, they did rod finishers on my team knew that they were they were almost known so they were really jazzed and um, excited and I knew we were almost a known I was happy and the the wind was still blowing really really good so we we still had some some pretty cool conditions some whiteouts and stuff going right into Nome and um, yeah just a Really cool. On the last run of a thousand mile race is always really powerful. Just being able to look back at what you've all, what you and the team have come through together, and um, just pretty emotional, happy runs. Did you have any issues driving back to Michigan and going through Canada? We did not, um, and we we were very. Our timing was perfect. We were really fortunate that way. Um, we had friends coming right behind us. They tried to cross the border, I think. It was within 24 hours after we did into Canada, and they were not allowed in. They had to quarantine for um, for 14 days. And then we crossed the border back into the U.S., in a matter of hours before they closed the the border there, so I who knows if they would have let us let us cross then or not. But it was close. We <laughs> we actually almost took a stop to take a nap before we crossed the border, and thankfully we did not because we <laughs> we wouldn't have made it if we had. What are your but pl- yeah the trip trip went well. What are your plans for this season? So this season um, is a really exciting, really exciting different year. Um, so in the summer of 2009 or 2019, <laughs> we had some litters, litters of puppies that I consider at this point to be our best breedings ever. And, um, this really this spring, I just I felt really strongly that it was 
this was the year to spend um, spend the season training those young dogs and giving them as many different training and racing experiences as possible during their first year in harness. And um, so, yeah, it's a um, very different year. So Blake Frecking has been running our B team the last, the last two years. He's done a phenomenal job with them. And um, I trust him 100%. So Ed and I talked this um, this spring and decided we'd offer Blake the A team for the year so he could keep them running and um, in top top condition and having fun. And then Ed and I would focus on racing the or you know training and racing the young dogs. So this year I have 20 dogs between the ages of. 12 months and 21 months right now and then nine adult dogs from three to eight years old and they they're a blast they um yeah it's those 20 yearlings are just there's so much talent there and they're they're the most in the most fun young dogs I I have ever worked with. There's their tails are always wagging, and uh, they just love running. Eight of the twenty are great in lead already. They're totally confident and just love to be love to be in control at the front of the team. And so I'm really excited for the year. We're gonna um, just have a bunch of fun. I I want to want to travel to as many races as we can depending on on what the pandemic um you know what races are allowed to go and uh, yeah just expose these these young dogs to as many different things as possible and i think it's truly the perfect year to do that um just with the the border closures and you know it's pretty unsure whether we would even be able to get to alaska anyway um so the timing is just perfect to be able to to play around with the young dogs down here in lower 48 and build for the future so yeah it's fun year so our, our big <laughs> our big thing scheduled right now is the wyoming stage stop race and it is a um it's a stage race so you run one stage every day it's way different than any races we've ever done and um the the longest run out there is 34 miles so it's a a totally different world and the speeds in that race are crazy fast so we're not going to be not going to be out there to compete but just to to expose the young dogs to passing seeing other teams seeing crowds of people and to traveling and yeah it'll be it'll be a blast so really looking forward to that and then uh, hitting any other races around here that that we can up next is our prediction time we're going to ask you to make some predictions for the 2021 race the best you can who rookie of the year 
Rookie of the I haven't even looked at the list recently. This is a this is a trick question. All right, let me pull the list up real quick. All right, I'm gonna go with. Listen, okay, uh, breakout musher. Perfect. Breakout musher. Hmm. What's your definition of a breakout musher? Someone that has like last year. They didn't do as well, and this year they do better. All right. Let's, let's do. Oh, Underwood. Underwood. That still counts. I'm going with Sean Underwood. Okay. Okay. I did a champion. Uh, I think Thomas Warner pulled it off again. Will the Iditarod happen? Yes. Last thing, what is your favorite song? Uh, currently, it is the New River Train by Andy Griffin. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Have a great day. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Special thanks to our guest, Laura niece for being on our show this week if you enjoyed this episode please stop by itunes and leave us a review it helps us with our ratings also if you have any questions comments or people you would like to hear on the show email us at hussytalk1 at gmail.com if we hear from you or you leave a review we'll read it on the show we'd also like to give credits to hobo jim for our theme song the i did around trail song and now enjoy a clip from laura's favorite song new river train by andy griffith Oh.